So, what memory comes into your mind when you hear the word wrestling? Anything in particular? Ah, you just stole mine. Okay, WWE or WWF? Saturday Night TV. How many of you watch Saturday Night Wrestling at some point in your life and you're willing to admit it? There are a bunch of liars in here, but a few honest people. Uh, Maybe your worst memory is of your wrestling team in school. Or dreadful unitards. Uncomfortable looking sumos. Maybe there are some other memories you have there that just aren't positive. Well, I think about my brother. I have an older brother, almost three years older. And wrestling was something that we did well and quite often. As the younger brother and one who resembled a twig for most of my life, I almost always was on the losing end of all of the the wrestling matches between us. This was especially true any time my brother had spent more time watching WWF than he did his two favorite shows. And I think these remain his two favorite shows. Star Trek and The Rockford Files. (laughs) And if I were in the same room with him at the same time that he turned the channel... And yes, back then you had to get up off the couch, go over to the TV, turn a dial, go and sit back down, and you only had you know, maybe five channels to pick from. But anytime this would happen, I would do my best to quietly just ease out of the room, as I knew I would become an unwilling victim of his imitation of the latest wrestling move of Andre the Giant, or Hossein the Arab, you remember him? Or Hulk Hogan, this was more 80s with Hulk Hogan, but... Uh, my brother still tried to imitate him. It was then that I learned some, some moves, not so much for winning, but just for survival. Biting. <laughs> it always works. Pinching. Kicking. Playing dead when my mother walked by. These all seemed to work if done correctly and strategically. This is what it was like to wrestle with my brother. And I wonder, how about you? What, what kind of wrestling stories do you have today? I'm pretty sure you have at least one. If you have a sibling, whether it's a brother or a sister, you have someone that you have wrestled with at some point in your life. Well, our text today from Genesis chapter 32, or 33, verses 22 through 32, it presents us with what it was like to wrestle with God. And we get a glimpse at what it was like for Jacob to wrestle with God as we stand outside of the ring where they are wrestling. To understand this odd wrestling match, and by the way, on Wednesday night during our Bible study after our prayer meeting, we opened up this scripture and we read from it several times and we talked about it and I think we all came to that conclusion that it is an odd piece of scripture. There's something very unusual that is going on here. But to understand it, we must remember a few things about uh, the background of this story and especially about Jacob's history of wrestling. Really, from day one, Jacob has been a scrapper. He received his name because this was so. His mother and father seeing at birth his first wrestling move as he reached out to grab the heel of his brother Esau. And, of course, they were born just almost at the same time. But it's Jacob that is usurping. It's Jacob that is reaching out as if to say, nope, I'm going to come out first and not you. I'm going to be the older brother. And he continued a life of contention, grappling with himself and his place in the world. He grapples with his brother's birthright 
with his love life. And if you haven't seen the misery of his love life and the challenge of in-laws and all of that, read through the chapters uh, right before this passage. He struggles with his wealth. He grapples with his father-in-law and ultimately is grappling with his God. And what probably stands out to us the most in his life of wrestling is the struggle with his brother Esau. And as you may recall from a Sunday school class, I remember uh, when I was in Sunday school uh, in elementary, somewhere uh, elementary age, I remember uh, one of our Sunday school teachers reenacted this and he, he got the furry arms and came in and was reenacting the story and we all had to wear this and, and act out the story. And that just stays in my mind. And Chances are you remember it from Sunday school, maybe even from Sunday school today. But as you recall, Jacob wasn't happy with his place in the birth order. He knew that his father Isaac was going to give a blessing. And he knew that that blessing had to go to the firstborn male. And so he realizes this is not going to be him. And uh, even though he was born just minutes after Jacob. But he wasn't the first one in line for all that his father had to offer when the time came. So Jacob, unable to accept his place in life, he set out to wrangle his brother out of it by tricking his father. Blind at this point, he couldn't see the difference between the two. He could smell and he could feel. And so Jacob would come up with a plan to be able to uh, fool him. So Esau was not only the oldest, but he was also the hairiest. Jacob, who probably felt hairfully inadequate, He put fur on his arms to fool his father into thinking he was Esau. And so the story goes, as you know, that Jacob ends up getting the blessing. This blessing could not be revoked. Once it was given, it was given. And so once it was given to Jacob, Jacob has it. His brother has no birthright at this point. He certainly does not have the blessing. And so by the time we get to Penuel in our text today, Jacob's cunning moves in the ring of life are already quite evident. I mean, he is a good wrestler. Good enough to be on Saturday night TV. At this time in Jacob's life, he is on his way back to reconcile with Esau. And if you remember the story, the mother gets involved. She she favors uh, Jacob. And so she says, you better get out of here. If you don't leave now, uh, Esau is going to kill you. He's angry, he's mad, and bad things are going to happen. And so Jacob flees and he leaves. And so at this point in the story, he's coming back. He's been in a self-imposed exile of sorts. And as he is coming back from Haran, uh, after living with his mother's kinfolk, while there he got married, Uh, he gets two wives, which uh, back then really wasn't all that many. Uh, But he marries Leah, and then he marries Rachel. Uh, As he is working for his family, he's seeing that his personal assets increase. And it was now time for him to return to go back to meet with his brother. To see if his brother might have some mercy on him. On his journey back home, just before entering his hometown, he goes off by himself just along the north banks of the Jabbok River. And we don't have all the details of of what he was doing there, but I'm pretty sure that we've all been there before. We've been there before a big decision. We've been there in times of a difficult responsibility. We've been there with a sinful past. We've been there as we step into the unknown. 
It is while there, wrestling with himself, that Jacob enters yet another brawl. As someone jumps from the shadows, they jump from the, the shadow of the night out of nowhere and wrestle him to the ground. He's there, wrestling. And he finds that this is no ordinary wrestler that is coming to uh, put moves on him. But it is an angel of God. Someone who has been sent by God directly to him. And it didn't take Jacob long to understand that this was no ordinary man who was coming at him in the ring. He sees God in the wrestling moves. Which makes him strive even more to make sure that he was getting from God what he wanted the most. A blessing. He wanted to be blessed by God. It wasn't enough to get a blessing from his father. It wasn't enough to get a blessing from his father-in-law or from anyone else. He wanted a blessing from God. And so by the end of the match, he has named this man Peniel, indicating his awareness that he had come face to face, not with just some man or just some angel, but with God. Jacob has been wrestling with God. And I'm glad that this story is in the Bible, as we can all benefit from knowing that someone else has wrestled with God. We all have or we will wrestle just like this at some point in our lives. And we'll find that it's not that odd after all. In fact, it seems here and elsewhere in the Bible to be quite normal. And we are so much like Jacob, it would be a waste for us to miss seeing ourselves right here in this text today. I mean, aren't you a bit like Jacob? Aren't you a lot like characters that you see in the Bible? As you look at the the lives of, of people that have gone before us and walked in faith, haven't you been a scrapper throughout your life? Finding plenty of things that you have to fight to get? Maybe feeling cheated when someone around you is getting what you don't have and what you want the most. So let's all concede that we have had some kind of history of wrestling. We wrestle with siblings. We wrestle with our parents, with our neighbors, with our circumstances, with our work, and even with our purpose in life. We wrestle with ourselves, longing to be blessed, contending for who we are and what place that we feel we deserve right here in this world. But we struggle with the most, though, is what Jacob struggled with the most. It comes down to God, doesn't it? Another way to look at it is to see that we uh, have scuffles with God, and as we have scuffles with God, uh, it, it typically comes down to a struggle over understanding this whole idea of God blessing us. And we seek to find a blessing outside of God. We seek to find a name. There's a lot of name changing that's going on here. Jacob is naming the angel. Jacob is coming up with a name for where he is in life. And God is renaming Jacob. He's no longer just a usurper. He becomes Israel. And so there's a lot of this that's going on here, but it all comes back to the fact that this struggle is going on because Jacob keeps trying to get out of the will of God. He keeps trying to find a blessing for himself outside of what God has intended for him. Our text leads us beyond the match between Jacob and this late night wrestling opponent. It tells us of an outcome. Here again the scripture. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God 
and with humans and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why? Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. Who would have ever thought that wrestling with God would lead to a victory? If this match had happened at a ring in Vegas, who would you bet on? Now that's a trick question because Baptists aren't supposed to bet. So you're in trouble. But if you were to bet on these two, would you actually bet on Jacob or would you bet on this angel of God with this representation of the divine right in front of him? Sizing up the two contenders would surely lead to betting on God, not on Jacob. The interesting thing here, though, is that God allows Jacob to prevail. The man from the darkness, whom Jacob identified as God, shows real vulnerability and allows Jacob to have exactly what it is that he is looking for and really what he is striving for, a blessing. The blessing mixed with a name change to Israel seems to come as a result of God seeing in Jacob that he had changed. He had matured beyond his scrappy ways. And he was ready for bigger things from God. God could see that in Jacob. A lot of time had passed since Bethel. A lot of things had changed in his life since he had stolen this birthright from his brother. Well, the other outcome from this contest was an an injury from Jacob. From having his hip taken out of socket by the strategic hit from this opponent. From then on, he would walk with a limp with a reminder of what took place in that night. Like Moses, David, and Paul, and other people in the Bible, Jacob would move ahead with some some marks of his maturity, some memorials of what happens when a person takes on God. Even still, the limp Israel walked out that day, and he walked into the light of the sun that rose upon him. God's grace and favor welcomed him into that day. And as we are reading this text on Wednesday, Evelyn commented on this. It's the last scripture in this portion of the text. And it stayed with me throughout the rest of the week. I hadn't really thought about it much before. As David walked away with a limp, one of the outcomes was that he was walking into a brand new day. The sun came up just as it always does. A brand new day was there before him. Well, you may be wishing that your match with God would end in such a positive way. The fact it did so for Jacob and others in the Bible is an indication that it will happen to you as well. And it may be hard to see right now, as you may yet still be in the middle of the match. You may still be in the late of the night, in the throes of contention with God. And if Jacob were here with us, allowing us to give or to take from him a post-match interview, I think he would have a few things to say to us. First, he would remind us to keep on wrestling, to keep on striving. And really, the match is yours to lose. If you don't do all that you can to take hold of God and say to Him, I will not let you go until you bless me. God, I will not turn you loose from me until you give me this wonderful blessing in life. This can happen in a midnight prayer. It can happen in the midst of despair 
or after realizing that the thing that matters most to you in life is what only God can give. What a real loss it would have been for Jacob if he had run away from his opponent, continuing to run as he had done so much for his life, trying to escape the confrontation that was there. And what a loss it will be for you if you flee the darkness of your soul, fearing the inevitable confrontation between you and God over the things of life. I think Jacob would also remind us that God is a graceful partner. I mean, if you're going to wrestle with anybody, it ought to be God. He's much stronger than us, but He's also much more vulnerable. Yes, that is God in the ring with you. But He wants you to win. He wants you to prevail. He wants you to discover that while He sometimes comes to you from out of nowhere, His wrestling moves are full of mercy and they are empowered by grace. When was the last time you experienced that grace? I mean, He wants to embrace you in such a way that He never lets you go. Walking away with a limp will remind you that this is so. You may be like Jacob having manipulated your way into difficult circumstances and broken relationships, you too may have taken what is not actually yours. And what Jacob would say to you is that when you wrestle with God, it is God who loses, but His grace prevails. Jacob could could see this as he came face to face with God. And how much more can we, on this side of Calvary, as we look back at what God was willing to do in the cross of Christ, how much more can we see that this is so? Dr. Clarissa Estes has a good word of wisdom wisdom here about wrestling. Refuse to fall down, she says. If you cannot refuse to fall down, refuse to stay down. If you cannot refuse to stay down, lift your heart toward heaven, and like a hungry beggar, ask that it be filled, and it will be filled. You may be pushed down, you may be kept from rising, but no one can keep you from lifting your heart toward heaven. So as you limp on, taking with you your new name and your story of struggle, May you lift your heart toward heaven to see that the sun is rising on you as well. Let us pray.